going to a bunch of Amish hymn singings and sitting in the middle and hearing that song. Uh, it's always one of my favorite hymns, so thank you for, for sharing that. Uh, this morning, um, I was hoping we'd start a little late like we always do, and all of a sudden we're starting on time, so you're giving me too much time, but it'll be all right. Uh, the title this morning that I, I got uh, put together was Bridging the Generations, and it started out as uh, Bridging the Generational Gap or bridging the generational divide. And I felt like it felt negative to me that there's a gap or there's a divide when there really shouldn't be. Uh, So I changed the title a little bit to just bridging the generations. I'm going to start with Psalm 78 uh, and pull most of the context out of this. Um, But Psalm 78, it says, My people hear my instruction, listen to the words of my mouth. I will declare wise sayings. I will speak mysteries from the past. Things we have heard and known and that our ancestors have passed down to us. We will not hide them from their children, but will tell a future generation the praiseworthy acts of the Lord, his might and the wondrous works he has performed. And then verses 5 through 8 is where I really want to focus some time on. He established a testimony in Jacob and set up a law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach to their children, so that a future generation, children yet to be born, might know. They were to rise and tell their children, so that they might put their confidence in God and not forget God's works, but keep his commands. Then they would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not loyal and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Uh, and it, the second part of that I felt like was, is, is really uh, the thrust of why. Why do we want to bridge the gap between generations? Why do we teach our children? Why do we do these things? And it's, it's, he tells us very clearly that it's so they put their confidence in God and they do not forget that what God has done for them. Uh, and it's so easily done. We were talking about it this morning um, Wayne and Marcus and Chris and I were talking about this this morning, how from one generation to the next, things are lost. We lose, we lose all kinds of things. We lose uh, the certain abilities, certain things that people in the 1800s would have seen as commonplace. People were you know, much more homesteaders back in that time than what we are today. We've become much more specialized in ways as well. So some of us don't know what it's like to go chop down a tree Back in the 1800s, most everybody knew what that was like. So we've lost some of those experiences uh, and some of those things. But we want to share, we want to share our experiences, our stories with our children uh, in order to pass those on. So what do we think about when we think of the term generations? Uh, One of the things that came to mind right away for me was the fact that like, a lot of times we hear people talk about, well, this young generation. Just, just look at them, this young generation. They just don't get it. They don't want to go to work. They don't want to do anything. They don't want to apply themselves. Like, just, just look at how bad they are. But I feel like that's doing them and ourselves a disservice. We're not truly digging into why this young generation is the way they are. Why do they ask these things? Why don't they want to go to work? Well, is it that they don't want to go to work, or is it that they want to know why they need to do these things? Is it that they're questioning? Is it that they're curious? Why are they asking these questions? But if you look in the the dictionary, there's several definitions for generations. 
Uh, it can mean all of the people that are born and living at the same time as a collective group. Oftentimes, it's between 20 and 30 years between generations. Uh, and I think we have most generations represented here at PCF, uh, at least in the last about three or four generations. Um, a set of members in a specific family is considered generations. Uh, or it can also mean a product, a single development in a product. Uh, and here you'll just see a, a little timeline of where we currently stand generationally. Uh, starting from 1928 to 45, which is considered the silent generation, and moving on up, the boomers, Gen X, millennials, which I'm a proud millennial. There's not very many people that say I'm a proud millennial, but I am. So when you make your comments about millennials, that's me. Uh, then you have Generation Z, and there's also a new one. Uh, generation Alpha is the newest generation now that, that is coming up and about. Um, so what makes these generations different? Why, why are they, why do they perceive the world around them the way that they do? What has shaped them to where they see things the way they do? And a lot of it is simply changes in the social norms and expectations that are around them during, as they're growing up, as they're adults, throughout their entire life. Those experiences and those types of expectations around them is what creates your view of the world. And it's neither right nor wrong, but it's different. I, by no means, will have the same view of things that are happening around as what Marvin would, or as Marcus, or even Jamie. Although Jamie and I are very similar in age, we grew up entirely differently. My experiences growing up, although, yes, they shaped who I am, they shaped the way I see the world around me, are different than his. So we're going to see things differently. We're going to have these experiences that shape the lens through which we see the world today. Like I said, it's neither right nor wrong. It's just the way it is. We all have these things. Uh, another term for that would be a bias. And a bias, again, can be bad. We can be biased in ways that we view other cultures, other people groups, things like that where we are biased against them. Uh, but if we choose to... It's important for us to begin to understand ourselves so that we can recognize the biases that we have. Whether we want to have them or not is irrelevant. We all have them. But if we start to understand ourselves, the way we grew up, and the world that changed us into seeing things the way we do, we can begin to understand why does Marvin see things differently than I do. Why does Narita see things differently than I do? And it's that curiosity that helps us to begin to understand. And understanding, I think, is the key to beginning to bridge the gap of generations. Major events. I listed a couple of them up here. I'm not going to read them off. But all of these types of events shape the way that generations and the people in those generations view the world. You look back at the, at the Great Depression, and if any of you have grandparents or people that lived during that time, they were very frugal. They saved every little bit of things that they could possibly save. Uh, one of the guys at work was telling me the other day how his great-grandma saved every shred of newspaper, every shred of paper that touched her door, she saved. And when she passed away, they threw away a whole roll-off trailer full 
of paper because that's what she saved. And she used it for all kinds of things, insulation. They used it to burn. They used it for all kinds of stuff. But we, growing up in 2024, we don't see that. We don't have a need to, well, hopefully not, we don't have a need to save every shred of paper that touches our door anymore. So we don't understand that compulsion that that person would have had at that time. And throughout their life, it never went away. And it was just the way that person was shaped by the world they grew up in. Nothing right or wrong, just the way it was. Uh, World War II, the civil rights era, all of these things, growing up in them or being part of them, will shape the people. And more currently, if you look at like September 11th, uh, one of the more recent major world events, and now it's not even all that recent, I suppose, uh, 23 years ago, but you look at those things and you can see why people view the world around them the way that they do. Why do we have sometimes critical thoughts of other people groups? It's because of these events that have shaped us. And in beginning to recognize that, in ourselves is how we can begin to bridge a gap, not only generationally, but in every relationship that you encounter. It's by that understanding and through being curious. So why is there a gap or a divide between these generations? Why do we see that? Why is there that continual kind of tension uh, in almost every organization? We like to be in an organization where people are like us. If you look at hiring statistics over the last 50 years, people who are in charge of hiring will generally hire people who are close to the same age as themselves because they feel they have the same values, characteristics, they have the same type of views of the world, and so they like that. We like the comfortability of being around people like us. And then when you're thrust into an organization where that isn't the case, and suddenly you have this cross-generational group of people that see the world differently, it can be hard because we don't understand, well, why don't you guys just embrace the newest technology in the world? Why don't you just look at all this stuff we can do with computers and iPads and look at all this stuff we can do? And another generation might say, well, why don't you guys just learn how to use a, a hacksaw, for goodness sakes, Why does everything have to be plugged in and connected to the internet all the time? Are either of those right or wrong? No. They're just different views. But it's so easy to cling to that and say, well, I'm right. One comment that came up this morning was, we can only, you can only begin to understand people when you value people more than you value being right. And when we cling to whatever it is, sometimes little, menial things that really don't matter, but we want to be right so badly that we argue and we fight and we just continue with our comments rather than stopping, examining ourselves, well, why do I feel the way I feel about this, but then also affording the other person in this conversation the same, we begin to understand them. We begin to ask questions. Well, why do you feel that way? What makes you say that this is a a better solution than the other? Ecclesiastes 7 verse 10 says, Don't say, why were the former days better than these? 
since, this, since it is not wise of you to ask this. How many of you have said or thought or been like, man, I, weren't the good old days awesome? I wish I could just go back. It'd be great, right? We all think those things, but it's not wise to do so, it says. It is easy, and there's a second part to this that I didn't add up here, but it is easy to blame those we do not understand for problems we do not comprehend. It is easy for me, growing up the way I did, to look at our American Western society and say it's going down the tubes, it is just falling apart, cracking at the seams, and it's everyone else's fault. It is all of these societal groups, all of these cultural groups, all of these people that don't see the world the way... If everybody just saw it the way I did, our America would be great. It'd be awesome. It's really not the case. There's a reason we're all different. But it's so easy for me to blame somebody else who I choose not to understand. Right? It is a choice. One thing Marcus shared several times was it is a choice to remain ignorant. You can choose to avoid these problems, to avoid the conversations, to avoid understanding others. Because when we choose to understand a problem, we have to understand the people within that problem. When we look at society and we say, well, racism is a problem, poverty is a problem, whatever these things are, lawlessness, thieves, whatever, we say these are problems. Yes, they are. How about we engage with the people that are involved in the problems and choose to try to understand the way they see the world? And to me, that was probably the most challenging part of all this as I started studying that was if we choose to engage a problem and then we engage and understand the people within that problem, now, if it's within my power, I have a responsibility to act, to help that person. Now suddenly I am involved, I am part of, I need to come up with a solution. And that takes time, it takes energy, it takes effort. And it's hard, it is difficult to do those things, to be part of basically inserting yourself into somebody else's story, somebody else's experiences and giving them that opportunity to share why they feel the way they feel. Because I think at the end of the day, a lot of times, they are shaped by a worldview, just like we are. And when we understand why they are choosing or feeling the way they feel, we can, begin, we can really understand that. Do we change our point of view? No, not necessarily. But we can still understand that person better. In Romans 12, 4 through 8, this is a pretty familiar passage, but it says, Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. 
If teaching and teaching, if exhorting and exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. And by no means is this an all-encompassing list of things. Uh, you could continue on and, and, and give more and more characteristics. Uh, but the point here is that we all have our differences. We all have our experiences that are unique to you. The previous generation and the future generations are no less relevant than the current generation is based on our experiences. Our experiences are not universal. I have not experienced life in the same way that anybody else in this room has. We all have our own unique experiences, and our biases are not going to be equal to the next person's. Our lens, our views are not going to be equal to the next person. Regardless of how similarly you grew up, you will still view things differently. There's a song uh, from Casting Crowns uh, called The City on a Hill, um, and I pulled a couple verses out of it. Did you hear of the city on the hill, said one old man to the other? It once shined bright, and it would be shining still, but they all started turning on each other. You see, the poets thought the dancers were shallow, and the soldiers thought the poets were weak, and the elders saw the young ones as foolish, and the rich man never heard the poor man speak. But one by one they ran away with their made-up minds to leave it all behind, and the light began to fade in the city on the hill. Each one thought that they knew better, they were different by design. Instead of standing strong together, they let their differences divide. And it's so easy to do. It is so easy to cling to who I am because I am right. And hang on to that idea because it is easy to value me being right over valuing the other person. And it's only once we let go of that and we embrace those differences and we seek to understand that we become unified in spite of our differences. The song goes on to say that it is the rhythm of the dancers that gives the poet life. It is the spirit of the poets that gives the soldiers strength to fight. It is the fire of the young ones. It is the wisdom of the old. It is the story of the poor man that's needing to be told. There's a lot of truth in all of that. There are experiences that are unique to you that would make a major impact on somebody else's life if you choose to share them. And oftentimes, I, I went through a class earlier this month uh, where one of the speakers uh, was a fire chief, and he, he shared, but the things he shared were mainly his mistakes. Most of the stories he told and most of the things he talked about were times that he messed up, and he acknowledged it. He would say, I, I messed up in whatever area this was. I made the wrong decision. I chose to do this, and I should have done that. But it was through the sharing of those mistakes, of those experiences, that he connected with that classroom in a way none of the other speakers did. And it's the same for us. When we choose to share our experiences, what Christ has done for you, your lived experiences, the way you see things. For those of you that are in a former generation, when you share those with a younger generational person, it helps them to understand who you are. 
It helps them to understand the world better. And as an older person in an older generation, sharing those things with a younger person not only helps them, but they will likely share the same things with you. And you will begin to see, well, why do they see the world in this way? Why, why do we have this tension between us? So, to both generations, the challenge is to listen to understand. Listen to each other to understand the other person. Not to come with a response. A pretty common uh, quote is, you need to listen to understand, not listen to respond. And I catch myself doing that all the time. We had a small group at Andy and Joanna's house here a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about some various subjects. Uh, and Jamie and I feel differently about some of them. And it was quickly, easily to sit there and be thinking about, well, I know what he's saying, and I, I have just the right answer to give him because I'm going to prove him wrong. It, it's easy to do that. I love doing that. I love proving him wrong. But it's not the proper response. You should listen to understand And when we do that, we ask questions. Why? Why do you feel that way? What makes you do that? Matthew 5, 14. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You can only be part. We can only be part of that light, of that city on a hill. A city by itself of one person is no city at all. So being right all by yourself is no light to the world. There's no real major win there. What the world is looking for out of the church is a place where differences do not divide. It's a place of unity in spite of, and maybe even because of, recognizing each other's differences and choosing to love and understand them There's a, there was a scientific study uh, done quite a few years ago, but it was, it was a gorilla study, and the experiment was to see um, if the way we do things, it, it's just because we've done things the way we've always done them. And, and they took five gorillas, and they put them in a cage together, and they hung a banana, a patch of bananas in the middle of it, and they put a ladder up to it. And pretty soon, pretty quickly, one of these gorillas, the smart one, sees the bananas, and he's like, I'm going to get a banana. And he starts climbing up the ladder. And immediately, all five gorillas are sprayed with freezing cold water, just drenched. So he backs down the ladder. Pretty soon, a second gorilla notices the same bananas. He's like, I'm going to get a banana. So he starts climbing the ladder. And immediately, all five gorillas are sprayed with cold water. Happens a third time. A third one goes up, boom, all five So the fourth gorilla starts to climb the ladder. And before he gets there, before they're sprayed with cold water, the other four gorillas grab a hold of him and beat him up. And they knock him down. They're like, we're not getting sprayed with cold water for you. So now they take one of the gorillas out of the cage and they replace it with a new gorilla. And pretty quickly this new gorilla notices, hey, there's some bananas up there. I think I'd like to have one. So he starts climbing up the ladder. Well, the other four jump on top of the gorilla and they pound him and they beat him up. He has no idea why, but okay. So they replace the next one. 
The next gorilla comes in. He does the same thing. He starts climbing up the ladder. And the other four, including the one who's never been sprayed with cold water, jumps on top of him and they beat him up. And they continued doing this until all five gorillas had been replaced with five new ones who had never been sprayed with cold water, but nonetheless were beating each other up every time somebody touched the ladder. We cling to those things because they're our experiences. And sometimes we use those and we want to beat everybody else up because they haven't experienced the same thing that we have. But instead, if we choose and we ask and we learn to understand each other, we can embrace our differences the way it is. If you guys would stand, we'll have a word of prayer and the worship team, you guys will have a, a closing song. God, thank you this morning for, for Providence, for our church, for everyone that's here this morning. Thank you for the uniqueness and the diversity that is here. Thank you for each person that is represented, that generation, that experiences that they have. Each one has value that is brought by you and given by you. Help us to examine ourselves, to understand ourselves, recognize our biases, recognize where we are looking through a lens that needs to be changed. Help us recognize our worldview is shaped by experiences we have lived, and that not everyone else has those. Help us seek to understand each other, learn each other, so that we can be unified through you in our church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stay standing if you would. Yeah.